know, tomorrow morning, uh, the Suttons and uh, Clayton and Ryan Mobley are going to be leaving for Honduras. They're going to be doing some work down there, so they're going to be down there for just a little over a week. And so uh, when you think of them, pray for them, uh, that God would use them mightily down there. Amen? And so, Father, we just speak a blessing over them in the name of Jesus that uh, all their travels will uh, be on time, that the work that they do down there will be blessed abundantly and that they might be a blessing to the church and to the people down there. And Father, we thank you that you meet every one of their needs as they travel and as they're in Honduras and the needs of their families as they're gone. Father, we thank you that you supply, that you meet that need. And Father, we thank you that their work there is going to be productive, that it's going to accomplish, accomplish much, even more than what they expect, that you're going to multiply their time. And so we thank you, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So we're going to uh, share this morning, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so if you've got your Bibles, go, you can go ahead and turn them to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. You know, the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is... Uh, it's who we are. It, it defines us as a church to neglect that or to set that aside would, would be to... Um, to deny who we really are as a body and why we were established and so forth. And, you know, we're in, a, <clears throat> we're in an interesting day. Uh, we're in an interesting day from the standpoint that um, a lot of folk are wanting to build a church or their church. But we're not called to do that. We're called to build the church. And when we build the church, the church, or about say the church, because we may have many different titles, but there's only one church. And Jesus is the head of that church, and it's the church. And so we're called to build the church. Involved in that, of course, is our body. But ultimately, we're to build the church. And to build the church means we do it on God's terms. Not on my terms. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know about you. If I were to build a house and I were to uh, put those plans together and so forth, and I hired a contractor to build that house, I would want that house built on my terms because it's my house. And uh, uh, I'm supplying that which is needed for that house to be constructed. We're building God's house. Now God's house isn't a physical structure. We have the physical structures out of convenience to be able to come together and worship Him and, and learn of Him and so on and so forth. A place to, to worship, a place to come together. But the church is not a building, it's not a structure as we look at it. It's we as individuals, we build the church. And so if we're going to build the church, we, we build it on His terms not our terms. You know, after almost 39 years of ministries, you know, one of the, one of the things that you're tempted in doing is, is becoming more acceptable because you want people to like you. Hey Amen. don't look at me with this, that tone of voice. You know you like to be liked. I like to be liked. And so the, the, the temptation is, is to look around and see what's going on and begin to 
not necessarily compromise, but change your direction a little bit so that you're more acceptable. You know, it's an interesting thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the one thing that can truly bring the church together. But it's the one thing that the church is probably more afraid of than anything. One thing we're willing to, the church is often willing to compromise on rather than stand upon the truths that he's given us. And, uh, and so I want us to look at 1 Corinthians. If you're at 2 Corinthians like I was, turn to 1 Corinthians. The 12th chapter. Now I want to begin reading in the, in the first verse. And Paul is teaching here and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Now, if your Bible is like my Bible, the word gifts is in italics, you know, for supposedly clarification. But oftentimes the clarification confuses things. And so really what he's saying is, now concerning the spiritual brethren. And so he's not just simply talking about spiritual gifts here, he's talking about the spiritual. You know, it's very difficult for us to be spiritual if we're just simply going to rely upon our soul and our flesh. That which makes us spiritual is the spirit. Whoa, this is really deep, Pastor Dave, but it's the truth. That which makes us spiritual is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit. And so he says, now concerning the spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when the Gentiles carried away to this dumb idols, however, they were, they were carried away by dumb idols, but yet they were, they were led. You know what he's saying is, why do we allow the things of this world to guide our lives? You know, we can say we, we don't want to be guided, but we are. We hear it all the time from individuals. I want to be independent. I want to be, I want to do my own thing. But then you look at them and in their life, whatever it is that they listen to, whatever it is that they hear, they all look alike. You know, we, 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 we see it all over the place. Well, I want to be independent. Then why are you wearing those holy jeans like everybody else? You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm independent. Well, then, then why aren't you still wearing a mullet? Because it's not popular. And so what do we do? We, we, we cut the hair. We do whatever it is. Anybody in here? No, I'm safe. But why do we do that? Because we conform. We're being led by something. Any person that says that they're totally independent, they're not being led by anything, they're a liar. Or they're probably not lying. They're probably that deceived that they really think that they are. We're all being led by something. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols. However, you were led. You were led by something. We're going to be led by something. And so we need to determine what it is that we're going to be led by. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaks by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, I've heard all kinds of unbelievers say, but they're not saying it out of their spirit. They're saying it out of their mind. They're saying it out of their intellect. And the problem that we have when we're not spiritual, we can memorize things. We can, uh, we can get that which is truth in our head, but it's not coming out of our spirit. We say it because it's the thing to do. But do we really believe it? You know, I grew up in church where we had the liturgy that we went through every, every Sunday morning. And I knew that liturgy. 
We didn't have to open up the hymnal to say the liturgy because we knew it. And we could just simply spew it out without thinking about a word that we spewed out. And you know, we were critical of it and everything else when we started to get a hold of spiritual things. But you know, it's an interesting thing. As you all know, I got born again on a Saturday morning in the basement of Vern Lewis's house. Prayed and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That following Sunday, I went to the same church that I'd gone to prior to being born again. And when it was time to do the liturgy, I took out the hymnal and I looked at that hymnal and I thought, this is what I've been saying for the last 25 years. I couldn't believe it because it was filled with life. It was spirit led. Why was that? Because the spirit in me. You see, this is spiritual. But to a lot of people, when they read it, it's just a bunch of words. For a lot of people, when they read it, it's no different than reading the encyclopedia. Why? Because of the deadness that is within them. You know, I don't know about you. There's times in my life where I'll be reading through the scripture and, and it's like there, there's just no life to it. Well, the problem isn't the scripture. The problem is me. The problem is I need to stir up that which is within me. You know, yesterday we were at um, Rachel's and we went out over on Friday night and it was Emily's birthday and, and we, we got her this particular toy and uh, they were able to get it for her and so they bought it and, and Will was along when they bought it. And, and so they told Will not to tell Emily that they, they got this toy for Grandma and Grandpa to give to, to Emily. So Will, you know, didn't. And, and so Rachel found out that Emily had asked Will if he knew what was in that present. And he didn't tell her. And he said, Will, why didn't you tell her what it was? And he says, I, I knew I wasn't supposed to. It was, I kept it in my belly. <laughs> he said, I knew it was a secret and I wasn't supposed to tell and I kept it right in my belly. <laughs> you see, there's a lot of stuff that we need to know in our belly. The Bible says, out of our innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. What is that? That's our belly. And it's the flow out of our belly. But you know what happens is oftentimes it's flowing out of our head. And we might even say the right things, but it's not life. It's not life because it's not flowing out of our spirit. It's not flowing out of our belly. And so he says, therefore I make known to you that no one speaks by the Spirit of God, says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. There are differences of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And so there's different ways that we can see the Spirit of God manifesting in our life. But it's that one Spirit. The way that God moves through you may not be the same way that He moves through me. But you know what? It's still going to come out of your belly. It's still going to come out of your spirit. It's still going to come out of your innermost being. You know, just like Paul told Timothy, he said to Timothy, he says, you need to take and you need to stir up the gifts that are within you. Let me tell you something. If we're ashamed of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to stir up those gifts which are within us. We're going to allow those gifts to remain dormant. 
They're not going to have any opportunity. They're not going to have any means of expression through you and I. Here in a moment, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. But what I want you to see in this teaching is that the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so much more than simply these nine gifts. They're involved in it. But he wants to move in our lives in so much a greater way. That doesn't mean that we have to be strange, we have to be weird, we have to be peculiar. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. That means we're different. If you're the same, you ain't different. And so we're to be peculiar. We're different than the world. We don't operate in the same way that the world operates. The things that move the world don't move us. And let me tell you something. If there's ever been a time, if there's ever been a day where we need the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's today. Because that which is evil is being called good and that which is good is being called evil. I don't know about you, there are things that are going on in this world today that 25 years ago we would have never imagined. In fact, 25 years ago we would have said, we said it would never happen. But we see it in manifestation today. We see that we have states. We have people in our Congress that are saying that when a baby is born alive, it was, if it was supposed to have been born dead, we need to let it die. And you don't call that murder? That is one of the most abominable things that I have ever heard in my entire life. And anybody that calls himself Christian that would vote for an individual that would do that, they need their spirituality examined. Well, I'm not going to get into that. But it, it, just, it, just, it just ticks me off. Babies. Babies being destroyed because somebody needs their right. What about that baby's right? This is my message. So... Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I hate the devil. I hate him. He's come to bring death and destruction in the lives of individuals. And you know what? He's got a free reign until we stand up and we say no. And until we say that's enough, we're not going to tolerate, we're not going to put up with this any longer. And I'm not saying that we've got to walk a picket line, although I'm not against it. But I'm not saying we've got to walk a picket line, but I'll tell you what we do have to do. We have to put up a standard in the realm of the Spirit and say, no more! In Jesus' name. No more! Verse 4. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministry, but the same Lord. There are diversity of act, <clears throat> activities, but the same God who works in, works all in all. But the manifestations of the Spirit, and you see in the first verse it called them gifts. Here it calls them manifestations, which are, is more of an accurate term. Because these spiritual manifestations they're not gifts that are just simply given to you. They are manifestations that are available to you. At any time, you need them. At any time, you need them. If you have a loved one that needs healing, you can bring them to me, but you don't have to. You can pray for them and expect healing to manifest. So anyway, then he says, but the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. It's given to each and every one of us. Those individuals, that, those gifts, those manifestations are given to us individually for the profit of all so that others can be blessed. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, uh, 
faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I don't know if you realize this or not, but if I had my way, every Sunday, we would have manifestations of the Holy Ghost all over the place. If I had my way, we would, we would still be a running church, a drop-over church, a, you know, whatever church. But you know what? It's not my choice. Now, there might be some things that I need to start doing a little more of to stir it up and so forth. But you know what? It's not my decision. It's his decision. And you know, it's the same thing in your life. It's his decision. But you know what? <clears throat> For that to take place, for him to manifest himself in our life through us, we have to be available. We have to be willing to say, here I am, Lord, use me. There, there needs to be a desire in our life for these, for these things. You know, a while back I had a call from an individual. And she was talking about the fact how um, had been someplace, you know, overseas and, and uh, you know, it's an interesting thing when you get overseas, when you go on a mission trip. Um, all of a sudden, the things that we deem so important here all of a sudden isn't that important. Your watch seems, ceases to be important. Your you know, the television, you don't, you don't have it there, especially if you're in a country that speaks a different language, doesn't do you any good anyway. <clears throat> and of course, you know, I'm so um, committed to it. You know, when Jeff lived in Italy, I'd sit there and watch TV, not understanding the thing that was said, but, <clears throat> you know, you could read impressions and expressions. Stuff. But, but all the stuff that seems so important is no longer, it's not that important over there. And you come back and you get bombarded with all the stuff that you left behind. And this individual says, you know, it, it seemed like over there it was so, so easy to hear the Spirit and you get back here and it's just like it's, it's difficult. And she says, what, what am I doing wrong? And I, I said, well, you're not really doing anything wrong. It's just that you have to make a decision here. You know, <clears throat> you, you go overseas and you rely on the Holy Spirit because you have to have it to live. We get back here and there's so much that we can do on our own that we can have a tendency to just simply leave the Holy Ghost out. And so we have to make a, a conscious decision that I'm going to hear from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give him access to me so that I can access what he's wanting to tell me. And so I said... <clears throat> The only thing I, I can counsel you in, advise you in, is, you know, where I felt like I learned to hear from the Holy Spirit. It was when I was in Bible school and, you know, I was working 40 to 50 hours a week, going to night school three nights a week. One night we had to go to cell group, had to go to church and you'd spend, you know, two, three hours there. I uh, had to do outreach ministry on Saturday mornings and, and then this, the homework and stuff. Uh, you know, which is a big deal for somebody that reads at about a fifth grade level. And, you know, and so my, my time was consumed. And, and so I approached the individual that was over all outreach and I said, my greatest need that I have in my life is quiet time with God. And I says, I'm not trying to get out of anything, but if you will approve it, I'll lock myself up in my bedroom. I think it was for two hours or four hours every Saturday morning. Give me an opportunity to hear from God. And he says, we thought about it, he says, I'll do it under two conditions. You don't tell anybody else. And the second thing is, is when you do it, you pray 
And then after you've prayed for a while, you listen. And so I'd get in that room and I'd pray in English for a while and then I'd pray in tongues for a while and then I'd just get quiet and I had this ring binder and I'd write everything down. And I'm not saying everything I wrote down was the Spirit, but I learned how to listen. And that's what I told her to do. I said, you get alone and you pray. And after you've prayed and you've prayed in the Spirit, get quiet. You know what one of the biggest problems is in our society today? We don't have any, we don't have any quiet. I mean, what, now I'm going to tick some people off here. But so be it. Um, you know, I'm old. Fire me. <laughs> Amen. You know, but, but one, of the, one of the things uh, that, that we don't have, we don't have any quiet time. Because <clears throat> I would venture to guess, if you have a quiet time, the majority of you who have a quiet time have something planned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your quiet time ain't quiet. Your quiet time needs to be quiet so that you can hear from the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason why this is important, this isn't even my message, so this doesn't count on my time. The reason why this is so important is we need to learn to hear from the Holy Spirit. And if you don't hear him in the quiet time, you won't hear him when the noise of the world is going on around you. When everything is coming against you, you're, you're not in a position then to say, well, I believe the Holy Spirit is showing me to do this. No, you're just... I got a chuckle out of that. <clears throat> That's how our life is. Amen. That's how our life is. We need to find some time where we can hear from God, where we can hear from the Holy Spirit. You know, we talk about these manifestations of the Spirit, but how in the world would you know that He's asking you to do something if you can't hear it? You know, I know it's frustrating for Pastor Becky and it's frustrating for me. My hearing ain't what it used to be. You know, and she'll say things or ask me to do something and, and I just... And she says, didn't you hear me? And I'm thinking, no, I didn't. And it's frustrating, but it's also frustrating to me because I don't want to frustrate her. Because... Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Amen. And so we, we, we need to, you know, I need to, I need to focus so I can hear her voice. Yes. And I have to decide yes. that I'm going to hear yes. what she has to say. And I love it. I, I mean, I love hearing it. Because there's nothing other than the Holy Ghost that I'd rather hear. Because it's kind of one and the same. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? You have to make the decision to hear. I've got to make the determination. I'm going to hear. I, I've learned that I've got to at least turn the sound down. Yeah. And it's better if I reposition myself so that you know, it's not enough that I hear. She wants to know that I hear. And that requires focus on my part. But you know what? The Holy Ghost wants to speak to you and I. And so that means we've got to focus. We've got to make the decision. And we've got to I know we don't like to use this term, but it's, it's true. It's in every area of our life. We need to practice. We need to practice hearing his voice. We need to place ourselves in a position where we can hear what he has to say to us. But we don't often hear it. You know, I look back in my life and there are so many things that could have been avoided 
if I had listened to the Holy Spirit. And you know, the, the thing about it is, there are times that I heard his voice, but I didn't want to acknowledge his voice. Dave, when you get a free moment, will you vacuum? No, we've got to want to hear what he's saying to us. There's things that have happened in my life because, and looking back, I know that he spoke to me. But I didn't respond when I ought to have, when I should have. I didn't, because it wasn't, wasn't clear as it should have been. Because what, everything else was more clear, what was going on around me. We need to learn to hear his voice. You know, <clears throat> we saw it <clears throat> where it said, you see in the scripture where he functions differently with, with us. And so the way he, he speaks to and through me probably isn't going to be the same way for you. But that's why we need to get quiet before him so we can hear what he has to say. In John 14, 16, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may be with you, that he may abide with you forever. Now you've heard us teach on that many times. But here where it talks about another comforter, Jesus is basically saying, he's going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to be just like me. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. And so, you know, Oftentimes what we attribute to Jesus, which there's nothing wrong with it because they're one, but it's really the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, Jesus, is now seated at the right hand of Father God on high. You know, he, he told, and we're going to read it in a moment, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, you know, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's, it, it benefits you that I go away because when Jesus walked on the earth, he, he took the form of a man and that means Jesus was able to be in one place at a time. Jesus, because he set aside his deity, he wasn't omnipresent. He wasn't everywhere. He was one place. But see, the Holy Spirit, who is in the form of God, who is God, is omnipresent. That means each and every one of us in this room, it doesn't matter where we go today, the Holy Spirit is there with us. And the Holy Spirit can speak to each and every one of us individually. That's the advantage of Jesus going to heaven and Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. Because if he hadn't done that, we would all have to be in his presence to hear from him. But each and every one of us, we can hear from him. In 2 Corinthians 1, 4, it says, Who confronts us? This is speaking of the Holy Spirit. He'll challenge us. He'll direct us. Who confronts us in all our tribulations. Who comforts us in all our tribulations. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so we're able to comfort one another because we've been comforted by God. But you know what? If we've never allowed ourselves to be in a position to allow him to comfort us, how are we ever going to be able to comfort somebody else? And how does he comfort us? He comforts us through his word. He comforts us as we sense his presence. You know, in his presence, there is wholeness in every area of our life. In those areas where we're distressed, we can turn to him and we can rely on him. Well, that's how we're going to comfort one another. It isn't just that <clears throat> I'm this great comforter. It's because I have the comforter. And as we've learned to be comforted by him, we learn how to allow him 
to comfort others through us. He entitles us, he enables us to minister. You know, in, in, back in the Gospel of John, again, in the, in the 14th verse, and in the 26th, or 14th chapter, and in the 26th verse, he says, but the helper, you see, God wants to teach us some things. And if we're open to him today, I believe he's, he's teaching us some things today. You know, <clears throat> Peter made this statement. He said, my, this is Schroeder's paraphrase, but basically what Peter said was my responsibility is to remind you of the things that God has done for you. And so I'm here this morning. We are a, we are a spirit-filled, Pentecostal, whole, whole, <clears throat> full gospel church. Amen. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. But you know what? If we, if we lose sight of that, if we don't remind ourselves of that, what happens is we allow that element, that part of who we are, to become stagnant. And the moment that it becomes stagnant, it no longer has a voice, it no longer has influence in our lives. And as a result of that then, we're going to lose our opportunity to have influence in the lives of others. Because Paul made this statement. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And how do we imitate Christ? It isn't through our flesh. It's as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because everything that Jesus did when he walked upon the earth, he did it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. He says he didn't do anything. He didn't say anything unless he got it from the Father. And how did the Father speak to him? The Father spoke to him in the same way that the Father speaks to you and I, by the Spirit of the living God who lives, who resides, who abides within each and every one of us. And so he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. And so Jesus, in, in John 14, 15, and 16, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming to minister to you and I. And so he says in John 14, 26, but the helper, that advocate, that one that is just like Jesus. You say, well, you know, I, I hear it, but it sounds like Jesus. That's because they're one. You know, isn't it interesting? When Jesus walked on the earth and his disciples, what did they do? They wanted to, they wanted to lock them up they mocked them, they criticized them, they persecuted them for what? For Jesus. And you know, of course, it's, it's starting to wane a little bit more now, but you know, it's been, it's been popular, acceptable to be, to talk about Jesus, to believe in Jesus. But you know what has not been popular, which has not been acceptable? It's the Holy Ghost. And what did Jesus do? Jesus came for one thing, to save us, yes. But the reason that he came to save us was so that he could reveal the Father to us. Ultimately, when Jesus walked on the earth, he, he was here to do one thing, to reveal the Father. And the Holy Spirit, why is the Holy Spirit here? Is he here just so that we can shun die and pray in tongues? No, the Holy Spirit is here ultimately to reveal Jesus to us. Because it's the revelation of Jesus that reveals the Father to us. Let me tell you something. The closer your walk becomes with Jesus, the more comfortable you become with the Father. And the reason you become comfortable with the Father through the revelation of Jesus is because the Holy Spirit is ministering that truth to you. And he's revealing it to you, to, to me. And so what's going on in the day that we're in? Don't talk about that Holy Ghost. That's, you know, that's kind of that's spooky. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff when you start talking about the Holy Spirit. 
Well, look in the mirror. It suits you. <laughs> Amen. You know, the interesting thing about it is, is when it becomes real to you, it's no longer strange. I look at a lot of things in the world, and I think, man, that's really strange. And people just think it's normal because they identify with it. When you begin to identify with the Holy Spirit, with the works of the Holy Spirit, it ceases to be different. It ceases to be strange. It, it begins to be an ultimate need that you have in your life. You know, people say concerning us Christians that we're weak. We've got to have Jesus because we need a crutch in our life. Well, I'm very weak. One crutch is not enough for me. I have to have two crutches. I've got Jesus under one arm and the Holy Ghost under the other arm. And I can't make it without them. And anybody that thinks that they can, they're deceived. And so, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in the name of Jesus, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You know, the thing about the Holy Spirit, he'll bring things that you need to know, things that you're not even thinking about. Let's drop down to <clears throat> chapter 15 in the Gospel of John. Jesus is still speaking. And he says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the, did I just read that? From the Father, the Spirit of truth, no. The Spirit of truth, who proceeded from the Father. Where did it come from? The Father. He will testify of me, Jesus says. You know, the interesting thing about the Holy Spirit, he doesn't, he doesn't elevate, he doesn't exalt self. He exalts Jesus. You know how you can tell when a preacher or a believer is being led by the Holy Spirit? They'll lift up Jesus. They won't lift up self. Because the most important thing will be lifting up Jesus. One of the great preachers has gone home to be with the Lord now, but T.L. Osborne, he was preaching in an African country and had great, great meetings there in Africa, in this particular country. And after the meetings, he was invited into the president of the country, into his office and he was sitting there having a conversation with this president and this president said to T.L. he says you know in our country we've had all the great preachers and he began to name them off he said we had all the great preachers when they would get done preaching we would say oh what a great preacher, what a wonderful preacher, what a tremendous message. But he said, you know, when you got done preaching, everybody said, oh, what a wonderful Jesus this man teaches or talks about. You see, that's, that's what we ought to want in our lives. Not that we get elevated, not that we get credit, not that we get exposure, not that people see us, but that people see the Jesus in us. And that the response be, oh, what a wonderful Jesus you serve. And so that's what Jesus is talking about with the helper. But when the helper come, comes, whom I shall send to you, Jesus, I'm going to send him to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so he's talking about the disciples that have been with him, that they're going to bear witness with the Holy Spirit because they've been with him. How is it that we bear witness with the Holy Spirit because we've been walking with Jesus. 
When we read through the, the Gospels and through the epistles, the Holy Spirit is never going to lead us to do or say anything that is going to be contrary to the Word of God. Why is it today in so many churches, I hate to say it, but in so many churches, the Word of God is no longer considered inerrant. That the wisdom of man is greater than the wisdom that you're, you're going to find in the Word of God. Because without the Word of God, you won't know Jesus. And without knowing Jesus, you won't be able to hear the voice of the Spirit. You won't be able to hear what the Holy Spirit is truly trying to tell you in your life. And each and every one of us ultimately are going to end up in a place of defeat if we don't follow after the leading, the guidance, the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is the verse that I made reference to earlier. It's John 16, 7. And he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him. We need the helper. Jesus recognized that you and I needed the helper. <clears throat> Listen, in the life of the believer, this ought not to be an option. This is a need that we have in our life. We have a need for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We have a need in our life for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why do we have that need? So that we might overcome. So that we might be victorious. Verse 8, it says, and when he has come, you know, in, in the mind of Jesus, there was no question as to whether the Holy Spirit was going to come. He says, it's going to be to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to, and the Father, or the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit in my name. And then he says, and when he has come, then say if he comes. He said, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the world, ruler of this world is judged of sin. He's here to convince, convict the world of sin. What sin? The sin of rejecting Jesus. You know, it's an oversimplification in the eyes of many. But you know, the only sin that will send anybody to hell is refusing to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because whatever sin it may be that any man has committed, the blood of Jesus is greater. And so the only sin that will keep their sin from being forgiven is a refusal to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, the, the hell of hell is the very fact that anybody's there. Because Jesus paid the price for every man, woman, and child that lived, lives, or ever shall live. Jesus paid the price for all of them that all might be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. But what do man do? They refuse to recognize and acknowledge Jesus of sin because they do not believe in him. You know, and so the Holy Spirit has come to 
convict the world of sin. It's come to convince us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's come to convince us that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. That judgment has taken place. That we've been judged. And through the blood of Christ, we've been declared innocent. And so that we no longer have to fear God. And because we don't fear God, we're in a position where we can freely serve Him because the consequences have been taken care of through Jesus. Verse 12. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. He says, I still got a lot to tell you, but you're not ready for it yet. And so then we must ask ourselves, are we ready? Because there's truth, there's revelation that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us, but he can't do it until we're ready for it. You know, thank God that the moment that we got born again, every truth, every revelation, everything wasn't dumped on us. Well, maybe you could not could have handled that. I couldn't have. For me to see how wicked and evil and rotten and no good I was because of my refusal to receive Jesus for those years of my life. I believe it would have been more for me to bear, more than I could bear. The revelation to come down, how would we apply it in our life? So what the Holy Spirit does is He continually reveals things to us. It's what I call a perpetual revelation. That as long as we breathe, as long as we live on this earth, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to us. If our walk with God has become boring and unfruitful, it isn't His fault. It's because we've chosen not to press in. But when we press in constantly, He wants to reveal things to us. And it may not be a boom, the light bulbs go on. But constantly in our life, he wants to show us things. He wants us to show us a better way to do things. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, and notice, he's a he, he's not an it, he's not a thing. He's the third person of the Trinity. And we need to respect him and honor him as such rather than refer to him as an it or a thing or that. No, he is God. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Think about this. You have a personal tutor. The Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. If, if you don't understand something, if you don't, uh, uh, if you can't, I, you can't understand it. I had another word, but it just, bloop. but he's here to guide us into that truth. The interesting thing about having a guide to guide you into the truth, it's not difficult. He takes you every step of the way. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he'll tell you things to come. Isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit doesn't show you what he wants to show you. He shows you what the Father wants to show you. He reveals to you what the Father wants to reveal to you. And you see, the Father loves you so much that he sent his most precious possession for you, Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But what did he do that? He did it for you. And it says, now when the Holy Spirit is here, he's going to reveal to you 
what the Father wants to reveal to you. And the Father wants you to know that which is needful for you to have an abundant, prosperous, successful life. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how he wants to do it. Well, what's, what's, your, what's your vocation? The Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you. I think of Lauren as a nurse. When she gets her degree, she's going to be an effective nurse. Why? Because she has the Holy Spirit. And they can teach her facts. They can teach her methodology. But what do you do when the method isn't working? She'll have the wisdom of God. Why? Because of the working of the Holy Spirit. And see, that's what I want us to see. It isn't just talking about these nine gifts of the Spirit. Well, let's see, do I need prophecy or do I need tongues or, or do I need uh, the gift of miracles? You need them all. But then the Holy Spirit comes along and practically applies it in your life. Prophetically, he shows Lauren what she needs to do in this particular situation. And the overseers come along and say, how did you know to do that? Well, I don't know. It just came to me. <laughs> yeah. By the Holy Ghost. Well, that's true of every one of us in this room. Whatever your vocation is, whatever your field is, you ought to be the most effective at it of anybody on the crew. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Verse 14. Jesus says, He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is to be glorified in our lives, through our lives. When you do a good job at something, maybe nobody else notices, but Jesus is glorified. He wants to work through us. You know, we're all familiar with this passage. In Acts, the first chapter, the eighth verse, it says, Ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be my witness, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. You shall receive power to be a witness. When you do a good job, you witness to Jesus. When you're effective in your trade or your field, <coughs> you're a witness for Jesus. When you live your life in a godly way, you're a witness to Jesus. When somebody does you dirt, and rather than be offended and upset, you just say, I'll bless you in the name of Jesus. You lift up the name of Jesus. We ought to be lifters uppers. Amen. Because he said that if we'll lift up Jesus, he'll draw all men unto him. And so what I want you to see this morning is that when we're, oh mercy, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, it's so much more than what we narrow it down to these nine gifts of the Spirit. It's our everyday living, allowing His presence to guide us, to direct us, to take us to a place we never imagined being able to go. Why? Because of Jesus. And so we need to we need to take the limitations off. And the way that we get rid of the limitations is by recognizing I can do all things through Christ as he strengthens me. 
And so I began to seek his will to the Holy Spirit. And he reveals that will to me. And it takes me places. I achieve things. I do things that I would have never imagined being able to do. Well, I'm not done, but we better quit for today. We're receiving Holy Communion this morning, and so we're going to seal this word. And if you've allowed the Holy Spirit to become dormant in your life, you've prayed, you've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you just don't really seem to acknowledge it. Stir it up. Stir it up. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you in my life today. I need you with every breath that I breathe. Oh, Holy Spirit. And find a quiet time and just begin to just begin to worship Him. Praise Him. Acknowledge Him as your Lord and King, your Savior. Stir up the gift of tongues that is within you. Say, well, Pastor, I haven't prayed in tongues for a long time. Well, today's the day. Just stir it up. Allow it to flow. Maybe you've never had tongues. It's time to, for you to say, Holy Spirit, I want that manifestation in my life so that I can yield my tongue. The Bible says that you, when, you can, when you can yield your tongue, when you can control your tongue, you can control your whole vessel. That's what tongues, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues does. So stir it up. Allow him to live big within you. I can have the ushers and the elders get into position. You know, the Bible says that we're to receive often. Not just once in a while, but when we receive Holy Communion. We're to do it in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And so this morning, still bend over that far. We're going to, the way we're going to receive communion is we're going to file as we have been the last couple of months. And uh, so if I can, Chris, if you want to get started, then rolls behind, just follow You know, Jesus' body was broken so that our body might be whole. Jesus shed his blood so that through his blood our sins might be forgiven. It's through him that we have life and that we experience it more abundantly. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that there's no other avenue to the Father but through the completed works of Jesus. As we receive these elements today, be reminded of what Jesus has done for you. The Bible says that we do this not in remembrance of our sin, not in remembrance of our failings, our shortcomings, but we do it in remembrance 
of Jesus. That it was his blood that was shed. It was his body that was broken. And he did it all so that you and I, that we might have life. That we might have it so abundantly. The Bible declares that through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, our sins were completely wiped away. That they were removed as far as the east is from the west. Not to be seen or acknowledged again. And so we have this bread that represents the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus. It was his body that was broken so that your body and my body that we might be whole. So as you receive this bread today, receive it in faith. Receive it with the expectation that as this body, enter, this bread enters into your body representing the blood of Christ, the body of Christ. Every infirmity, every shortcoming must leave in Jesus' name. The body of Christ, which has been broken for you, receive it in remembrance of Him. And then this juice represents the blood of Jesus. It was His blood that was shed so that we might be whole. It was His blood that totally wiped away all sin and even the remembrance of that sin so that we can be clear of conscience, no longer have a sin consciousness, but a righteousness consciousness. So this is, represents the blood of Jesus, which was shed for you for the remission of your sins. Receive it in remembrance of him. Now, Father, we thank you that in all things we can put our trust and confidence in you, that you've promised that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, our faith in the completed works. So, Father, by your precious Holy Spirit, we want you to lead, guide, and direct us that our lives might be a living testimony of the goodness of God and that others might see and be drawn to that truth. Father, use us for your glory. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.